Hey guys, the show is about ready to start, but really quick, I wanted to grab your attention, tell you to have a pencil and paper ready. I have some very important information you're going to want to stick around for after the show regarding updated contact information, websites, and more. Everything's changed. Holy cow. What do I mean? Everything's ready to start. I gotta run. Stick around after the show and I'll get you filled in. Welcome to this podcast. Get ready. Here we go. GOST Radio proudly presents Random Illusions, the podcast where the occult community goes for its listening pleasure. I'm your host, Shasta Ray. Grab a cup of coffee, grab a cup of tea, or grab a glass of wine at the end of a long day if that's what you want to do. Kick back, settle in, and hang out with me for just a little bit while we chat it up about magic. Hello, podcast land. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 3, and the continuation of Tim Goes to Egypt. We are here with Part 2. When things start to go dark. Uh oh. Oh my gosh, you've waited a week, and this is a fun one, guys. This is a fun one. So let's just get right to it. Without further ado, I present to you live, pre recorded from Zoom, part two of Tim Goes to Egypt. Okay, hey, thanks for joining us again this week for part two of The Dark Side of Egypt. <laughs> Woohoo! And right before we started recording again, Tim was starting to tell me some very interesting things about the water. Oh, yeah, so you had asked me if my brother's apartment had running water, which it did. But you can't drink it as, you know, in a lot of developing countries, you know, they don't have the filtration and sanitation stuff to, to drink the water. So that's but the thing that they also are lacking is recycling services. Formerly, they have them, but they don't have the infrastructure to collect them. So practically, people don't recycle. They just kind of throw it on the street. Wow. And it gets shoved somewhere, which, again doesn't sound alarming until you think, wait a sec, Cairo is a city of 30 million people who all have to subsist on bottled water. That's a lot of bottles. That's a lot of bottles. You're talking hundreds of millions of bottles a day. Wow, that's crazy. So what do they do with all of them? I, I don't know. Um, seemingly, they end up on the street and jammed into the crevices of, you know, wow, any 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 place they can find. I mean, it's uh, that's that's why I said the 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 whole city is kind of strewn with trash because they don't have a a good system for uh, removing it. Yeah, yeah. So you were you were uh, in the market area looking for papyrus or something. What happened? Oh, God. so. If you've ever seen um, Disney's Aladdin, 
when they're kind of in downtown Agrabah and you're going by all these uh, merchant shops and the, the merchants are all like trying to haggle and sell their wares and they're, they're jumping out in front of you and there's like cloth lean tos. And I mean, it's these like winding dark streets and alleys. So that place actually exists. <laughs> it's called it's called Connell Khalili Market, and you can find anything and everything at this market. If you can if you can dream it, there's someone there selling it. Wow. Um. So in that sense, it's kind of an exciting place to be. They've got like a lot of live music going on. There's like sweet street food going back and forth all the time. You know, most people are kind of pushing the, you know, touristy junk. But there are a couple of, a couple, there's a good amount of actual artisans who are doing really good work. Like one of the things that we picked up uh, over there was a, a prayer lantern made out of uh, beaten copper. And the guy showed me his workshop and he's, you know, he's taking these sheets of copper and he's, you know, tink, 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 you know all by hand. Wow. Um, and, uh, and inside the, uh, the lantern, there are these panes of alabaster. And he showed me like, you know, this is a family business. Some people in my family go out to the desert, they find the alabaster, they bring it back. I file it down, I sand it, and I create these windows for my pieces. And so, like, it's, you know, this is the legit artisan stuff. So, yeah, you can find that there, too. That's crazy. And, um, I would have loved to seen stuff like that. Yeah. They got some folks there who are just doing such beautiful work. For instance, I got one of the one of the magical items that I picked up for myself was this uh, Eye of Horus amulet I yeah i love that so it's it's uh it's all silver but it, then it's inlaid with a bunch of local stones lapis lazuli mother of pearl and onyx so the onyx and the lapis lazuli are kind of found in the mountainous regions and you know they need they need to be mined but they're they're prevalent enough that lapis was actually the mineral that they would grind to make the blue color for all of the paint oh wow so when you when you see any photos of, of that yeah it's uh ground up minerals mixed with egg white is how they make their paint and and it's crazy to me that like pulverized minerals and egg white can last for four or five thousand years and still yeah, yeah, the mineral is not going to fade and you know that's how some now i don't know the process but i know there's tattoo artists out there that make their inks out of rocks and then now they're finding it's toxic for people in a lot of cases, which makes me wonder about mine. But anyway, back to Egypt. Well, sorry, where were we? The artisan and the tink, 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 alabaster, real deal. I have porous rocks. Ink. Egg white. Yes. So if, uh, if you go to Egypt and you speak a language other than English, what can be really handy is to kind of tag along behind a tour group that is paid for a guide in that language. And I did this 
through the Cairo Museum because I wanted to understand what I was seeing, but I didn't feel like paying for a private tour guide. And one of the things I picked up was about the different kinds of minerals used for paint. So lapis lazuli for blue, turquoise for sky blue. The red was ground up carnelian or garnet. And if you see yellow, that was actually kind of a, uh, it's the rust of a, like an iron composite, like a, some, uh, it's some kind of iron alloy. Hmm, that that's would, interesting. Yeah, they make the alloy because, you know, if, if you have just straight up iron rust, it'll be orange. And so that, when you see that color, that is obviously that, but, but to get yellow, they added some other metal to the iron, made an alloy, and then oxidized it. Chemically. How weird. So here's a, here's a little uh, fun piece of trivia. The process of doing some of this alloy creation work, because they used uh, cinnabar and quicksilver, mercury, in their operations, yielded a black powder as a... Uh, byproduct and so working with these different alloys trying to make different types of metals was known as chem which is uh, it meant black so like doing doing this work was uh the making of the black powder and after the turks invaded and took over the arabic version of chem became alachem because I can't remember what all means in Arabic, but they <laughs> they tend to like throw it on the beginning of everything. That's that's why you see a lot of stars named like Aldebaran and Altair and you know oh, okay. because they they started all their names all. Anyways, when the Greeks came and were kind of adopting things from the region, the uh the operation of creating metal alloys and, and then at, at that point it was kind of doing any kind of transmutation work which included magic but it was uh kind of translated as alchemia which became obviously alchemy mm. and then later chemistry so the root of those words is the making of the black powder which was early egyptian attempts at creating alloys fascinating yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a geek, uh, it's super interesting. If if you're not, well, maybe they've signed off or tuned off by now. So, <laughs> well, let's talk about some of the weird stuff you encountered. So, you're talking about the Arabic. You got yelled at in Arabic for touching a rock. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so before I went on the trip, you and I had talked about trying to bring back some rocks or sand from the site and in the hopes that, you know, all the magic done at these uh, sites would have permeated those minerals and, and some of that we could, we could utilize that energy. So I, you know, went ahead and brought myself a little mason jar and um, started kind of scooping up some sand around the pyramids. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and all of a sudden this, uh, this big old guy in fatigues with an AK-47 <laughs> starts shouting at me in Arabic. <laughs> and, I, you know, 
if I hadn't been so dehydrated, I probably would have pissed myself. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been so unnerving. Oh my gosh. But we finally found some common ground with language and he, he basically said, Hey man, we don't like you taking things off the ground. Just walk around, take your pictures and be gone. Wow. Um, so, you know, I, I felt a little less bold after that, but, <laughs> but that didn't stop me from enjoying the day. Right. Because after that, uh, my brother and I met, uh, this dude who, um, he set the world record for um climbing and descending the pyramids wow and you can check guinness he's in there he said he he made it he made it up and down in eight minutes that's insane um i was reading it's been a few months it was this year but i was reading something about people climbing and the the grade on the the angle and then the the size of the rocks if you fall you gain momentum and you can't really stop falling people just die from falling or losing their balance so just mm -hmm. ascending or descending is actually incredibly incredibly dangerous more than people realize well and this guy used to do it for show you know it's kind of like his parlor trick yeah um but but he was he was probably in his 80s wow we talked to him and at first uh my brother and i were like uh sure okay like not quite buying the story. Mm -hmm. And as we left, we ended up uh, talking with this other guy who he spoke really good English because he uh, had attended Virginia Tech for a while. And um, it's weird to me that he, he, you know, he attended Virginia Tech. Then he came back home and, and decided to be a camel driver. <laughs> Let's be more lucrative than I assume it is. <laughs> but, um, He's like, yeah, that's uh, that's actually my, my my grandfather, and what he's telling you is that that's the truth. He used to be able to do that; that was his thing. And uh, he's like, you know, we actually, our family made a lot of money off of people betting on him coming up and coming down in eight minutes. Wow! So then this guy, uh, this guy took us on a camel ride in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> How was the camel ride? And did you race him? We didn't race them, but oh um, man, I would have raced the camels. But uh, you know, surprisingly, camels ride smoother than horses. Um, they're they're quite a bit taller though. So I mean, you're, yeah, they're you're, really tall. You're a good ten feet off the ground when you're up on one. But but after uh, you know, he started by leading the camels himself, and then then he just kind of dropped dropped the reins and had them you know follow him, and and then he you know he goes, hey. You you actually know how to ride, don't you? I was like, yeah, man. And he goes, okay. So he gives me the reins to the camel, and he's like, here, this will be fun. Smacks it on the butt with his like little stick. It <laughs> 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 just takes off. So now, so now I'm like, I'm riding this camel in the desert at a gallop. <laughs> <laughs> how was it compared to a horse galloping? It's, I, I, it's been years since I've been on a horse, but I mean, if you aren't ready for it, you could lose your balance on those things. It's kind of hard to hang on if you're not ready and you're not knowing what to do. But yeah, no, I mean, um, it was it was surprisingly smooth and easy. Like you actually have to do less leg work to stay balanced. It's um, you just kind of got to get the right trunk motion, rocking back and forth, and it's fine. But uh, but it, 
it was super fun. We, I, mean, I really enjoyed it. We went to this. He took us to this this site that a lot of Buddhists come to to meditate and pray while watching the sun set on the pyramids. And so my brother and I went up there, and and that was that was a very cool experience. And then we, you know, as we got back, we he had kind of told us a little bit about his family and that his kind of taking care of his folks that had some health problems, whatever. And it was it was this neat kind of like pan religious moment where he was like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to pray to my God for you that you guys have, you know, happiness and good health and fortune. And and he's like, I don't know what your gods are, but I would like you to pray to them for me and my family as well. Oh, I like that. And that's how we ended the encounter. You know? I like that. And so, like, you know, the guy we just met went on a camel ride, ended up having this, like, kind of nice spiritual moment, which is hard to do when you don't really, like, get each other's language very well. Right. Yeah. And then and then we hugged it out. And uh, and then we went and found my folks. And then that's when the Indiana Jones stuff <laughs> really kicked in because we ended up going up inside of Khufu's tomb the, the that's the that's the big one and that was that was wild man that was uh you kind of have to crouch down because the the shaft is only about three feet tall wow so you have to kind of crouch and walk uphill the pyramids are big and that that uh, his burial chamber is right in the middle so it's it's a it's a long ways to go <laughs> and on the way up there this little german kid was coming down and he looks at me and goes, hey, mister, it smells like a billion farts up there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I get up there and I realize that like the exhaust fan that they usually have running for that room was out of service. And so it was, you know, 11 billion degrees in this place oh wow and it it you know it smelled like all the people that have been through it so we get up we had our moment it was it was, it was very cool you know just to stand there and go i am inside the pyramid what but um but then we do got they, do they have lights and everything in there what's it like do they have electricity through there so you can see because yeah. i mean they don't have windows so yeah no it's all it's all lit up <laughs> Is there any vibes or anything? Did you pick up any energies when you were in it? At the Giza ones, no. That was, I, that, that surprised me. They were like they felt pretty dead to me. Like a pile of rocks in a nice shape. Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. But but not every site felt that way. Particularly the the sites of the like the lesser known. We went to the Valley of the Nobles, and some of those really had kind of interesting energy about them karnak did and not all of the tombs in the valley of the kings but a a couple of them had some you know really strong impressions but but this one didn't it was it was uh yeah i was really kind of i don't know it almost felt jumbled but maybe that's just because so many people visit that site you know i was just thinking that it's like it's such a, a popular place to visit and it has been for decades and decades and decades that it probably just has everyone's energy all over it at this point. Yeah. But we um we got down from there and I ended up seeing that kid again on the way out and I was like, Hey man, it does smell like a billion farts up there. <laughs> what did he do? See, he just started laughing so loud. 
his parents looked at me like, what did you say to my kid? <laughs> um, I just kind of chuckled and walked away. That's cool. Then I, you know, then I met a guy who kind of gave me some uh, really cool information about some of the, the things we were seeing there. And uh, one of those things being that we usually think about those uh, pyramids at Giza as being, you know, like just three pyramids. But I mentioned it's actually nine. Right. But recent satellite imagery indicates that there are more than 150 other pyramids that are still buried. Wow. I had no idea. So this site is a thousand times more massive than anybody thought it was. See, you would have been doing them a favor to take that jar of sand home because they're going to have to excavate it from all those pyramids anyway. It's like free labor. Yeah. You know, they just didn't appreciate you. So let's hear about your Indiana Jones dark moment. Oh. Tourists. Tourists don't know this. Americans don't know this happens. This is real stuff. Yeah. So, uh, so I mentioned we were in that kind of cleaning market, and I was on the I was on the hunt for some papyrus because there are several several operations in Solomonic and Moses magic that require the use of papyrus instead of paper or metal or whatever. So I knew folks. We're looking for some, and I thought, hey, this would be a great chance to get some cheap, and then I can spread it around the groups. Um, right. But, uh, but they, you know, stores weren't selling them blank. They were selling them with paintings on them, which yeah. makes total sense. I mean, most people are not going to go there and ask for blank papyrus. It's kind of weird. But um, as we're going through this market, this uh, guy comes up to me, and he, he's, uh, instead of, Starting with, hey, buy my stuff. He goes, he goes, I noticed that you're saying no to everything. What is it you're looking for? And I said, you know, honestly, man, I'm looking for blank, clean, papyrus, nothing on it. That's all. And he's like, oh, I have, yeah, I have lots of that in my shop. And I was like, oh, great. Uh, can I buy some from you? Sure. He's like, my shop's just around the corner there. So seemed nice enough. I went with the guy. Turns out that shop was closed. So we're, uh, we're going to go to his other shop. And the other shop, he took me through all of these twisty, turny alleys, whatever. Finally get to his shop. And yes, it was a legit shop. But, uh, once I, once I got in there, I noticed that he had some family members that kind of started showing up out of the woodwork and they were kind of blocking the doors to leave. Wow. <laughs> and he made it quite clear that there was no way I was leaving that room unless I made a significant purchase. So, uh, I ended up, well, I ended up buying about 20 bucks worth of stuff for what I thought was a hundred bucks. But then he also went and added a zero when we did the uh, credit card exchange. And then on the slip that I signed, he had rubbed that zero off with his thumbnail. Wow. So I thought I was signing for a hundred bucks, but I was really signing for a thousand bucks. For 20 bucks worth of stuff. <laughs> and then when I got out, he shook me down for another $400 and said that that was the price to take me back to my family. Wow. I, uh, I suggested that we maybe talk to the police about this and he laughed and said, they'll just make you pay more. Wow. Again, that's crazy. So, you know, yep. I was gullible. I got taken. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't don't follow people away from the nest. I oh, that's crazy. 
Well, that's what that's what one of the things that was wearing on me about the whole experience was after even you know a couple of days of being there, I I felt like I couldn't trust anybody. Right. Like nobody was genuine. Like nobody had any sort of altruistic qualities, and it just kind of I had this you know kind of like sickly thing. <laughs> yeah. In my, you know, it, and it 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 makes you cynical real fast. Well, you know, and. It goes back to that question I asked you a while back. You know, did you stick out like a sore thumb because you had on the Bermuda shorts and the socks or, you know, the tourist look? And you were like, I don't care. But at the same time, if people are unaware and they go to a country like this that has those marketplaces or people that are just predators, they're trying to get by in life and that's how they do it and that's how they make their living they know how to do it and they'll be very helpful until they get you into a situation. So you got to be careful. That's why I was saying your, your Indiana Jones moment. Cause there's like marketplaces like that. And there's all these sly bad guys. It's like, it's exactly what it know? was. And it, it was like a, it was like a honeypot experience. Cause I was like, Oh, this is a, this is a really helpful, you know, helpful, friendly guy. Yeah. And, and if it was in Minnesota, it would have been a really helpful, friendly guy. Yeah, you know, I, like he gave that that vibe, and then it was there was one moment where I just kind of looked around and went, "Huh, I'm in a tight spot." Wow. <laughs> um, so, did your parents have any problems, or did your has your brother since he moved there had any um, streetwise educational moments? Or oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like he got he got mugged and got his cell phone taken. Oh. <laughs> He he got shook down and we were at Giza. Oh wow! This guy was like, this guy was following us and we were telling him to go away and he wouldn't. He was trying to like sell us his touristy trinket crap. And then I kind of walked away uh, ahead of my brother and was trying to make a show of like, hey, we're late. You gotta go. Let's let's go. Because <laughs> I thought. <laughs> That because this guy didn't speak a word of English really, uh-huh. so I was trying to make a theatrical thing happen so that was my a, brother was exit, yeah, yeah. Well, that didn't work out so well because once I was far enough away, this guy did like a chokehold, slammed my brother up against the pyramid, and basically said, "Either you're gonna buy this sack of touristy junk, or I'm gonna beat the crap out of you right now." Wow. Now, does do they just do this to people, or were you guys lucky? Is this just typical? Yeah, it's typical. That's crazy. So, you know, stick with somebody, preferably somebody big. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. So what about, like, the food? Food was awesome. I I didn't dislike anything I ate. Well, except for one thing. They did this... Uh... <laughs> When I start describing it, you're going to be like, oh, that sounds pretty good. But then it's going to turn. So it was like a malted chocolate shake that was flavored with mango and boba tea balls. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. I can do that. Um, but it was also flavored with vanilla and cheese. That's weird. And we looked at the ingredients list. And sure enough, what they meant by cheese was like, Craft cheese powder. <laughs> I mean, one one sip was enough for me. 
<laughs> so I I left I left the rest to sit out, and then like within a half an hour, the cheese had actually started to curdle in the drink. <laughs> and so what did they call was, this? What was it called? I don't even know. We just bought it off some guy. <laughs> oh, how strange! It, it was weird. Okay, so was he cleaning but, out his cupboard or? <laughs> but the uh with that exception everything else was so delicious like even the stuff that that you'd think might be kind of off-putting or weird they make it taste so good just like the spices are it's kind of like french food where like uh, there's their herbs and spices are flavorful but not hot hot not like jalapeno hot they're not like they're not forceful right they just Rich, rich, but not torturous. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, there's a lot going on. It's very aromatic, but it's, it's, uh, it's all very pleasant and calm. And that's, uh, yeah, that's how I describe your food. Nice. All right. Well, you know what? We're going to take another break and come back next week for part three. Stay tuned. all right folks that was another fun one please by all means come back same time same place next week when we continue the ongoing saga of tim goes to egypt until then keep a smile on your face keep a bounce in your step keep practicing your magic Go explore strange new worlds, and by all means, try not to get mugged when you're there, okay? Have a great one, folks. I'll talk to you next week. You don't want to miss it. Bye-bye. Thanks for sticking around after the show. Oh my gosh, so many changes and so many things to tell all of you about. We are officially in rerun mode. What does that mean for you? Well, hey, if you listen on your favorite podcast app, nothing is going to change. You will always be able to go back and listen to your favorite episodes and guest spots anytime you want, just as you always have. Again, nothing will change for those of you that use your favorite podcast app. Next, the website will change a little bit. It will change to www.podpage.com slash random dash illusions, or you can listen directly off the host site, www.randomillusions.buzzsprout.com. Links are now in every episode show notes. Check it out. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash radio. Twitter.com slash GOST radio. If you love YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to the Random Illusions Podcast YouTube channel, the GOST radio YouTube channel, and TikTok. Don't forget to follow us there. Links are down in the show notes. Exclusively for the listener base of Random Illusions, Tim and I are going to continue our coffee.com divinations. 
just let us know if you want a rune reading by Tim or a tarot reading by Shasta and what your question is. Give us about two business days and we will respond with a thorough answer to your question, giving you some insight and maybe a little inspiration as well. If you would like to follow Tim and I as we jump into our new leadership roles and all of the new projects we are presenting and working on, don't forget to hit us up. Facebook, privately, Tim Cheesebrow, Shasta Michaels, Random Illusions, or just shoot us an email at magic, M-A-G-I-C-K, at randomillusions.com. And we will send you links as to where you can keep tabs on all of our future endeavors and adventures. And hey, you may want to get involved yourself. You never know. All right. Keep your eyes and ears peeled. We will be announcing when we will be back. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.